doing? You're listening to the Shine the Five Method with CJ. I'm your host, Chris and N. James, aka CJ, the creator of the Shine the Five Method. What is that? You may be asking. It is a trusted system to help nine to five women push past mediocrity so they can shine in their own businesses. So if you are juggling a nine to five with a side business right now, then this is for you. Let's work together on breaking up with your employee mindset so you can be in the driver's seat of your life. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun, sometimes bumpy ride, but girl, I'll get you there. Joining me today is Lindsay Sims, and she is the founder and CEO of 30 Day Funnels. And we're going to be talking about whether you believe digital marketing works or not. You're right. (laughs) But before we get into the conversation, I want to give Lindsay a moment to shine and tell us more about yourself. Anything that you'd like us to know today. Thank you so much for being here with me. Take it away. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you and I appreciate your mission. And so as a, a person who's deep into mindset myself, I'm just so grateful to be here and having this conversation with you. So if I'm given a chance to shine, let's do this. Please. Um, <laughs> let's say the things that people need to know about me are that I am an educator by training and a digital marketer by experience. And because of that, I have managed to combine those things into a career that focuses on educating people and helping them to develop the skills that they need in order to get where they need to go with their business, whether they are just starting or whether they've been doing it for a while. I find that my job is to help people to overcome the like pervasive imposter syndrome that kind of attacks us when it comes to marketing especially in an Instagram world where everybody feels like everyone else is so much shinier than they are. Mm. And I'm like, no, we are all shiny. I am shiny. You are shiny. We're all shiny. We just need to make sure that we are shining the light on the things that we want people to see. So for me, that's what I want people to see. I want them to see that I'm not here to help them and that I do have a lot of education and I do have a lot of experience. But more than any of that, I'm just really good at helping to translate the difficult and kind of challenging bits about marketing into things that people can consume and use. And that because I'm good at that, I have had the fortune of having relationships with organizations like Google and Goldman Sachs and, and things like that, because I, you know, haven't been able to translate really well for small businesses. Right, right. And wow, (laughs) amazing segue. So we're talking today about digital marketing. I feel like this is like just to start off. And you did touch on, we live in an Instagram world. Everybody feels like they need to be on Instagram with the prettiest posts and everything's curated and looking, we know, we fitting the grid. Mm-hmm. For digital marketing, when at, like somebody just starting their business, what do they need to know about digital marketing before they take mm-hmm. it on? I think that what they need to know is that Digital marketing is so much bigger than social media. If I could help convince more people who are starting out to almost act like it's 1998 instead of acting like it's 2022, that would help because the truth is that there are certain aspects of your marketing that are way more important than your Instagram is ever going to be. And that if you are doing Instagram well, or if you're doing TikTok well, if you're doing any of those things well, but you're not doing these other things well, then it doesn't quite matter. And I've had unfortunate experiences with people who have 
goo gobs of followers, tens of thousands of people. And they come to me and they're like, yeah, but I'm not making any money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, because you don't have all the other stuff set up to support that audience that you've developed. So yeah, the first thing I would say is that maybe, just maybe you should less focus less on your, you know, the shiny bits, the outside stuff, the vanity metrics, and actually focus on developing you know, really solid search engine optimization and really good email marketing and, you know, kind of the core stuff that that makes for a good business. Yeah. So you mentioned vanity metrics, and I know that's something I definitely talk about with my clients as well. And you, and as you just pointed out, you, you've had clients and people come to you with tens of thousands of followers Mm -hmm. and people always feel like it's a numbers game. Like the more followers I have, the more people will trust me, but I don't have that many followers. I'm doing just fine. So it's, it's, yeah. What and when you mentioned SEO, and if mm-hmm. somebody wants to, for example, primarily show up on Instagram, how would they take advantage of understanding as simple term? That's simple. And I was like, I, I, I love that. Like, I oh, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got you. And okay. so <laughs> I think that the question that you're asking is kind of you're you're hitting exactly at what I meant when I say SEO. I don't mean the technical term. I mean the the like actual words, search engine optimization. Right. So okay. most people, when they're first getting started, there are a few things you can do that will help you get found in search in general. And some of those activities are things that are not, you know, again, very non-technical, things as simple as making sure that the name that you use for yourself and for your business are exactly the same, spelled the same, represented the same, Across every platform you're on. So on your website, on your LinkedIn profile, on your Instagram account, on your Facebook account. It is amazing how many times I'll go to someone, you know, someone will come to me and they'll have Anita J. Davis on one platform and then Anita J. S. Davis on another platform or AJ Davis. (laughs) Okay. How do you think people are going to find you if you literally are using four different names for yourself across all of these platforms? And on top of that, your name is Anita Davis. Like it is not that that's a bad thing. That's the name that you got. But when you have a name that is like mine, my name is a very common name. We can't be playing around. Like we have to be super consistent and making sure that we're labeling ourselves appropriately, that we're using our business name consistently across platforms, that we are using the same keywords to describe what we do across several platforms. So that when someone searches those things, essentially every single one of us should dominate our own name, like our literal physical name that was given to us by our parents. And then also we should dominate the name of our business. And if you're currently finding that you're not dominating in those spaces, it's likely because either your business name is too generic, like which is sometimes an issue, Hmm. or you're just not doing a great job of optimizing each of the platforms you're on for search so that people can find you. That's all that means. Just optimizing yourself so that you can get found. Right. And it's, it's interesting that you you brought up the name thing, because even me adding my middle initial to everything is because I connected with another Kristen James and I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> so, exactly. so I put my middle initial on everything. And now people, sometimes people think I have two ends on my first name. But anyway, going on, moving on from that part. So when, cause to me, I feel like when people hear like search engine optimization, they're mm-hmm. automatically thinking website. Yeah. And this is, this is what I have to do. So when people Google, you know, my website will come up, but you're saying now that search SEO is across 
any platform. It's across everything, especially because it doesn't matter who you are. If you're starting today, whatever website you build right now is going to have zero authority. I love to use, and, and it doesn't even, it, it's amazing. It doesn't matter whether you are building a website or starting a YouTube channel or whatever you do. Whatever you do starting today, if you start right now, it's going to have zero authority. My favorite example of this is when Dwayne The Rock Johnson started his YouTube channel. Okay. He started a YouTube channel and when he first got started, had the same amount of followers and subscribers as everybody else. Zero. And <laughs> like it was putting content out there and was getting like 250 views. And if any of you are like, are you kidding me? Sometimes what we need to do in order to really understand what I'm talking about is find a, let's say a D-list celebrity, someone who you're like, I love this person. They're a character actor. They're so great. And it has to be an actor, not someone who was an influencer and then became an actor, but an actor who was always an actor and then find them on YouTube. Go look for them. Because often they're going to have the same amount of subscribers as like the guy next door to you who has a channel of woodworking in his garage. Like everyone is earning that credibility from day one. The challenge is that when you're earning it from day one as a non-celebrity person, it's going to take a little bit longer to get it. So when we look at search engine optimization and you talk about your website, it's going to take time for your website to develop some authority to get found. Like even if you use all the perfect keywords, it's going to take time. But one thing that you can do, or the one thing that everyone can do, I should say, is we can borrow the authority of other platforms, which is the thing that I meant when I said, make sure you're owning your name on every platform. So Facebook has a thousand times more authority than you ever will. And so making sure that you have the proper naming of your Facebook page and simply even having a Facebook page means that when someone goes to Google you, They will find not just your website, potentially, but they'll find your LinkedIn profile. They'll find your Facebook page. They'll find your Instagram handle. They'll find your Pinterest account. They'll find all of these assets that are named with your name. And instantly it adds more legitimacy to you because they were able to find all of those other sites. So, and there are some people who will go so far, some marketers who will go so far as to say, you might even want to start like an Etsy shop with a printable that's $2 or something cheap because Etsy has a lot of authority. And if you have like a website, an address on Etsy with your name, then you show up a whole lot higher in search because Etsy has so much authority. It's just borrowing the authority of these sites that already exist so that you can get found instead of trying to use your website, which is going to take time, period. It doesn't matter who you are. It's going to take time for your website to start ranking. Right. And speaking of ranking and touching on insights and understanding insights and knowing that it'll take time <laughs> once you and you've 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 mastered making sure your name across all platforms, everything matches, everything is aligned. What are people what should people be looking at or looking for to understand because they need to understand the, the back end of things and numbers and the, the results of the SEO when we hear the term insights, the word insights. What should somebody who's just wrapping their brain around everything else, what should they be paying attention to? This is a great question. So you you asked before, you said something about how when I said vanity metrics, you were like, yes, vanity. That is <laughs> the, the way that you know something isn't a vanity metric and how you know whether or not something is insightful or the data that you're going to gather is insightful is utility, right? So if the information is 
useful, it's no longer vanity. The number of fans or followers someone has is not useful. It does not do anything. It does not provide any particular authority. We all have people who we know who have a lot of fans and followers that we don't believe nothing they say. And there's there's like the number of fans or followers doesn't actually mean anything for authority. It just means that there are a bunch of people at some point who clicked the button. That is all that means. So for you and yourself, what you need to think about is utility. Now, the beautiful thing about marketing and about running a business, let me rephrase that. The beautiful thing about running a business is that the only person who gets to determine whether or not something is useful to you is you. And so what you're going to be looking for when you're, when you're deciding what metrics to look at and what data to actually care about, you're going to need to care about the things that are going to move the needle for you and your business. Some people have an e-commerce business. Well, for an e-commerce business, you might want to track the number of times someone puts something into a cart or how many people are signing up for that 10% off coupon that you're providing. That might be something that you track and that you care about because that is a buying intention behavior. Someone put something in a cart, it means that they cared enough to click a button on a product. They didn't just go to the website. They actually were on a product specifically and click that buy button. They did something. Someone signing up for your 10% off coupon, that is an indicator that they have some intention at some point to shop. So you have to determine that if you are a service-based business, There may be other things that are indicators of a buying intention that someone might have, and you want to track those things. And just notice, I didn't say we're just tracking sales because it might take time to get people to buy something from you because you don't have any authority yet. Once you actually like people develop trust and they think that they can actually get with, like they know that the leggings that they're going to get are going to fall apart. Once people feel that about you, Mm. (laughs) then they'll start buying. But it takes time to get there. And so we need to like look at all the things that lead up to the purchase and see which of those things do I actually want to track and which of those things do I actually think matter for my business. Now, I just gave you some really concrete ones, but there could be any number of them depending on the type of industry you're in. You might have a brick and mortar store and you might end up tracking the number of people who buy the 50 cent coffee and stay for an hour. If that's what you're tracking, that's what you're tracking. That's a metric that you're going to pay attention to because maybe those people are going to become repeat customers more likely than anybody else. I don't know. It, it really does determine, like depend on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned it's not really about sales. I know it's always a lead up. So, and that's where the mindset piece we can, we can tie it in. Segway. I love segways. <laughs> so, a lot of times, every time, who am I fooling? Many of us measure our success by the number of sales we get. And when we're just starting out and we, we have, we don't have that authority yet and we are building our brand, we're still looking at how much sales we can get. But what would you say is the biggest roadblock from a mindset side that somebody will run into when they are, they feel like they're marketing their business properly, but they're not getting those sales. Like, what does that mean? Like, where is that disconnect really coming from? So there are, I think there's a two, that's a two-sided question. Okay. And I, like the way I see it, there's two questions there. Okay. The first is the mindset that as a business owner, you need to kind of approach it 
with a specific type of mindset when you're at the beginning because getting sales does take time. Mm. The the reason why I say we it's two-sided is because part of this is that you have to almost become detached from the outcome because in order for you to reap the rewards of the behavior that you're doing, you can't be, oh, I'm going to sound woo-woo, but you can't strive. Like you can't be striving and straining and stressing because it's not going to pull what you want towards you. It's going to push it away. There's this, there's sayings out there. There's all sorts of sayings about how the best salesperson is someone who is not hungry. Best time to ask for money is when you don't need it. The best time to get, it's like all of these things are true though. Mm. Like when you, even if the customer has never met you in person, if you are at home freaking out about the fact that no one is buying anything, you are going to reek of desperation in the general sense. Yes. No one is going to want to buy anything from you. And so putting yourself in a position where you're like, you know what I don't need? Your money. Like I will be fine. And so when you get to that mindset, it becomes easier to wait for the sales to come, A. But then also it makes it so that people are more likely to give you their money because the truth is that we all have that thing where we're kind of waiting for someone to feel welcoming in order for us to jump into a relationship with them. And no one wants to be in a relationship with someone who feels desperate. So that's one side. Okay. And then second side of it is the mindset of, I may not be seeing this from my customer's perspective, which is like putting yourself in your customer's shoes, which requires you not be needy. First of all, because you can't do that if you're like needy. You can't see it from anyone else's perspective. If you're doing that whiny, needy kid thing. Yeah. Kids are like, but mommy. And you're like, look, child, <laughs> literally the thing that you want, I cannot give you right now if I wanted to. And they just won't stop. And you're like, this is, you're doing nothing but hurting yourself at this point. Oftentimes with our small businesses, we are the kid who is screaming at the universe, but I need this thing. And they're like, but that this isn't the right time for that. When I mean, when I say that, sometimes the product or service or thing that you're doing is positioned the wrong way for your audience. And so because you're in this weird, whiny, needy space, you're unable to see that simply put, if you turned it around, they would be able to see what you're saying. Like you're seeing it from your perspective, but they're seeing it from their perspective and you need to flip it so that they can see what you see. But if you're not willing to take the time and really discuss and see everything from all the angles, you can't do that. And so the mindset shift there is to actually step out of your own shoes and step into the shoes of your customer and really see how they're seeing and experiencing your product or service before you can really get good at sales, before you can really get good at and I should even say get good at sustainable sales because you might get lucky right. and get some sales from people who are, you know, generous themselves and really, you know, have an open mindset and are willing to take a risk. But you may not like you might end up with people who are like, I am not willing to risk on this. And the only way they're going to get it is if you turn that product around so that they can actually see the value for them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was like so much. Sick. And I'm sitting and explaining everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's cover. Let's go. Let's talk more about all of, <laughs> all of that. But it's, it's so true. And, and one of the things I feel like at the very beginning, especially in even seasoned entrepreneurs, we make a lot of our business about us. 
and not about the customer, the client or who you're, you're providing your product or service for. So you're feeling like you need, this is what, this is what they need right now, but you're, you're coming from your vantage point and not from your customer's vantage point. So it comes back to also asking what is the problem that I am trying to solve? Like what does my, and identifying, but how would they identify what is the problem that they're trying to solve? Is it knowing who, I mean, I know how I would answer this, but this is all about you, Lindsay. So is it knowing who their ideal customer is or client or the target audience or? I think it is the number one thing to help you with that is empathy. And I say empathy because empathy is the, it's the, the death nail for judgment. And often what I find for my customers, for people who I work with on a regular basis, and I do a lot of consulting, I do a lot of educating. And often people will be like, Oh, you know, my customers are so dumb, fill in the blank thing. Like, and they mean like they, they really don't get it. That's, that's why they feel like the customer is dumb. Oh, I'm trying to do this work for them and they don't understand and they don't get it. And I'm like, you're not being empathetic. And because you're not being empathetic, you are going to, it's going to be virtually impossible for you to see what the real pain is because you're too busy judging them for not getting the thing that you've handed to them. So, you know, you made this beautiful dinner and you're mad that they're not eating it instead of saying, why aren't they eating it? You're just angry. <laughs> right, like, right. You're like, why? This is perfect. It's the perfect combination of the vegetables and meat and whatever the thing is, you're just like going on about the fact that they're not eating it. And I'm like, how about you stop doing that and get curious about why? Like, what is the real problem? If they're truly hungry, but they're not eating your food, there's something else going on here. And and the question, the answer might not be that it might be that they're not truly hungry, that they have something else going on and you need to see what that thing is. I just really think that if more and more of us we're empathetic towards our customers from the perspective of whatever it is we sell. So it's, it's still very much positioned around your product or service. If you're selling diamonds, you need to have empathy for people who are buying diamonds. Like you can't be selling diamonds and saying, well, I'm just trying to get this idiot to give me $2,000. Like, no, I mean, you could, if you genuinely think those people are dumb for giving you $2,000 for this ring, you probably should stop selling diamonds. Like you should right. <laughs> thinking, like, no, this person has a need in their soul that only a diamond can fill. And I need to be thinking, what is that? Like, what is that? No one genuinely needs a diamond. No one, no one on the planet yet. Someone is buying one right now. Like <laughs> maybe several. And so we need to be thinking, what is the empathetic way to see that purchase? What is it that they want? Are they going for status? Are they trying to satisfy someone else's status? What are they doing and why? Why does status matter to them? What is it that it's going to get them if they fulfill someone else's status? What does that provide for them? How is that going to get them long-term life results? What does, what's the transformation to use marketing language? What's the transformation that that diamond is going to provide for them? Yeah. Then you'll be, you could sell anything once you realize that you have to be empathetic and actually care about this person, regardless of whatever it is you're selling. It becomes a lot easier. It does become a lot easier. And I, I feel like we get caught up in, 
in the in the bigger picture a lot of times and trying in trying to make the sale or generate the lead in the in the end result when really it's about the process and what you learn about yourself in the process so i think you, you kind of did say but like what do you find is the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to effective is that the right word? Yeah. Effective digital marketing. The biggest mistake, and I, I have kind of tapped, tap danced around it. I said the biggest mistake is not at all caring about their audience, not just not being empathetic, but often people will develop a product or service in a vacuum. Right. So okay. they'll come up with something and they're like, this thing is such a great thing. And everyone, and then when they say the words everyone, I'm like, Nails on a chuck. <laughs> everyone will love this. And I'm like, there is nothing that everyone loves. Like there's someone out there that hates pizza. And there are people who are like, pizza's universal. And I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, right. Everyone loves Phil. Everyone thinks that everyone loves everything. And I'm like, no, there's no such thing as everyone. So whatever you have created, A, stop being precious about it. And then B, acknowledge that there is an audience that is specific to that thing. It doesn't matter what you're selling. It's not for everyone. Yeah. Never has been. There isn't anything on the planet that is for everyone. Hence, there being Coca-Cola and Pepsi and then all of the 9,000 other sodas. <laughs> really, right. right. Yeah. Because there is. Literally no one thing that is for everyone. We can't even say water is universal because there are people who are like sparkling water versus cold water versus hot water versus water with drips of coloring in them. Like everything is not universal. If, if anything is universal, it's that everything is not. Like, <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is the number one challenge that I have is that people will come constantly talking about. This is for everybody. And I'm like, yeah, we got to start from scratch because you did create something in a vacuum and there is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find you a customer. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it is important to be the more specific you are, the people's favorite word niche, the more specific you are about your niche, the more authority you would gain and to generate those sales. It's not even, I, I, I'm pretty much not a fan of the N word there. The <laughs> yeah. Niche. Yeah. The niche. Word. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mostly don't like that word because I think that people misunderstand. Right. And so I'm not even necessarily saying it has to be hyper specific. Like you don't have to be selling something to, and especially when, when I hear that niche word, I think people think demographic and they, they try to niche into a demographic. And I'm like, I would rather you niche into a mindset. Mm-hmm. Now, then we can talk because there are always more things in common between people around how they think than anything else. And so if you want to sell to everybody, okay, let's figure out what who the everybody is. So is it everyone who thinks that? And then let's fill that fill in the blank. What are the things that people need to believe or think or feel in order for them to actually love your product? That's the niche I want to talk about. I don't care how these people look because there are 45-year-old American white men who have tons in common with 17-year-old boys from Rwanda. Like we need to like get rid of the idea that there is some 
demographic that matters, especially because the internet has flattened the world. Mm. But there are mindsets that matter a lot, like growth mindset versus, you know, fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. There are some people out there who are selling a product specifically for fixed mindset humans. That's fine. If you know that those are your people, then you have to market to them accordingly. Fixed mindset people cannot be marketed to based on growth and opportunity. They don't believe in growth and opportunity. They believe that the world is small and you have to market to them based on that idea. Because if you try to market to them based on all of the opportunities, they're going to run in the opposite direction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have to market to the people based on their mindset, not on yours. And you have to like, again, that's what the niche part is to me is like, it's all about mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We can talk on and on and on and about this. You like definitely are an expert in, in this feeling, what you do. So on that note, what do you have? What do you have coming up? Like, what should we be looking out for from, from Lindsay Sims? Well, I, I, I didn't mention this earlier when I did mention Google, but I am a, a growth Google digital coach. And if you are at the beginning of your journey, you're not, maybe not even sure what it is that you're trying to accomplish yet. I would love for you to come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm also not Insta famous. I'm just Insta regular, <laughs> but I, but I, I put, I post often about workshops that we're hosting that are completely free. They're sponsored usually I mean, by Google and they are there to help people who are trying to figure out how to get from one place to the next with their small business. So that's the thing that's always coming up. There's always a workshop. I do them about once a week. So I would love to see all of you. Okay. There, okay, uh, hanging out with me, learning and growing. Because I believe if you're listening to this podcast and you are 100% a growth mindset person, which yep. means that you're you you fit right in with me. Because that's my jam. Right, right. And uh, anything else that people need to know will definitely be in the show notes, so they can directly find you. But before I absolutely do let you go, I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about the mindset stuff. But before I let you go, <laughs> do you have a nugget to share with our listeners? You've given them a lot to think about because even I'm sitting here like, am I doing all the things? Am I, am I good? Am I good? <laughs> but is there a nugget that you can share with, with, with them right now? I think that the biggest nugget that I will share is kind of going back to the, the, the name of the episode. I think that we really have to believe that these things are possible in order for them to truly work. If you don't think that email marketing works, then it won't work for you. If you don't think that Instagram works, it won't work for you. If you don't think Facebook works, it won't work for you. Mostly because we are, as humans, very good at finding a way to sabotage ourselves on something that we don't believe is possible. And so I will encourage everyone, especially if you're at the beginning, to to believe in the possibilities because it is amazing what you can do with a small audience at the very beginning if you think you can. Perfect way to end it off. Thank you so, so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom <laughs> with me, Lindsay. It was great. It gave us so much to think about. And absolutely, please find Lindsay, attend her workshops and take away more nuggets because the conversation, this was just one conversation. There's so much more that you can learn. And Lindsay's a person to go to. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for now. Question, what was your biggest takeaway? I'd love for you to share your thoughts in a review and better yet, share this with a friend that you believe needs to hear this. If you are ready to make your side biz your main gig, which means... 
taking center stage so you can shine in your business, I invite you to connect with me. My website is kristenandjames.com or you can find me on any social media platform at kristenandjames. Take care until next time. And as I always say, have a sparkling day. Oh,